Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only those two. It's just Solanke. Yeah, it's only those two I would have suggested. Can you believe it? We'll talk about that later because we don't get into politics. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Planet FPL, the world where everything revolves around fantasy Premier League. My name's Serge. And my name is James. Nico wants a shout out. I didn't even check Nico's team. 81 points, yeah? Yeah. Proof yeah. that a broken Proof watch d- is correct You don't need to make a transfer for about two months to get a good score in FPL. Exactly that. <laughs> uh, exactly that. Um yeah, I think uh, not enough credit is given to Luck in this game, especially in the oh, engaged don't Twitter start community. the skill v Luck debate. Why? Which, well, for starters, the game we can't ended yet. No, <laughs> but I'm also doing tonight. like I'm doing all right this week, so you know it's got to be a bit of luck involved somewhere. Okay, mate. Uh, How was your week then? I missed the get deadline again, didn't I? No, you didn't. Yeah, I did, but I wasn't going to do anything anyway. So oh. it doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, had you going for a minute there. I'd set my team up on the Friday. So I was, after you'd messaged me to say Holland, uh, Pep had said Holland is ready to start. He didn't say Holland is going to start. No, he did not say that. He said Holland is ready to we, start. We, we think he probably is starting tonight. Yeah. Seems to be the word. So uh, I'd already put the armband on him anyway, regardless of what the news was going to be. So um, that just kind of made my mind up. My team was set, ready to go. And... Uh, Started well on uh, Saturday because I had Richarlison. So, tidy 15, on, Richie, 15 pointer from him. Uh, we'll talk about it. Did you enjoy your day trip out to Everton? Yeah, it was all right. Nice I mean, it's shame Tell me, back, unlike shame Brighton. At the ending, but... Did you... Because, you obviously, for regular listeners will know, um, and maybe even more patrons from Tottenham, you went to the Brighton away game where you were losing 4-0. Four, four nil, uh, yeah. And you told your dad, now nah, we should stay till the end. Yeah. Tell me you made him stay to the end this time as well. Would you think I told him to leave at 2-1? Yeah, Dad, let's leave now with one. Good, <laughs> it doesn't good. Work just, like that. Just, just, just making sure that you uh, put him through that pain, unfortunately. 
Um, so yeah, started well with Richarlison's 15-pointer, and obviously he's not madly highly owned Richarlison. It's enough um, to kill my rank this week. No, though. I know, but I've owned him <laughs> for, for quite a while now, and so if you're looking at consistency ever since uh, Forest, or even before that, since Newcastle, I mean, he must be the most consistent. Is he nine goals person. in eight games, I think? 15, got, nine, eight, then the Brighton away game was a blank. seriously now. Uh, but then eight, eight, seven, fifteen. Um, and then obviously you've got Brighton at home. You will have chances against Brighton. Oh, it'll be about five, four, mate. Uh, and Wolves at home and then Palace at home. So three home games on the trot. I think which is With stays, a blank in the middle. Yeah. Uh, Trips obviously came in with a nine pointer for me as well, which was decent considering they conceded four goals. I'll take that uh, all day long. Uh, and Ollie Watkins. So the, the trinity of those three gave me a good game week plus Cole Palmer. Uh, disappointments, obviously, Dubravka over Ariola, but then um, Ariola's gone off no at half time. Mate. No, it didn't, but Ari- and Ariola's now gone off at half time. Precautionary was what David Moyes said. Uh, but yeah, I think. Um, it wasn't used as a concussion substitute. Oh, no, I know. That said, it would have been of no benefit for West Ham to use it as one because West Ham would have not wanted Manchester United to have an extra sub, I don't think. So. Right. Um, and then. As you didn't even want to use Danny Ings despite. Being 3-0 yeah, down. No. Yeah. Um, Diaby didn't start, but I, I had to take the gamble with him. That's a um, major chopping block for you, mate. He, he is. He's ready to go. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably make a goalkeeper sub and, and Diaby. And Diogo Jota, look, it was a, a, a top-of-the-table clash, so that can happen in any game where you get a blank out of those, uh, like Trent and, and Jota. So I've still got Holland captain and Julian Alvarez to go. Uh, sitting on 56 points, green arrow, it will be a green arrow unless, I don't know, Holland decides to headbutt someone and Alvarez flies in with a two-footed tackle and Ivan Tony scores a hat-trick or something. Tony, De Bruyne, I mean, particularly De Bruyne could hurt you De Bruyne tonight, right? could, but then obviously Holland captain could be uh, a real rank jump as well, so... yeah. It's kind of difficult to define uh, whether this week's good or bad for people. There'll be some that it's definitely already good for. I think Holland's at 106 or 120. And, and there's EO. some that it will definitely be bad. I mean, it's, it's just under 100, I think. Was he under Holland. 100? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, to obviously tonight's finish because there are players that can obviously damage or help the rank tonight. Uh, for example, I'm only on 45 this week, Serge. And to beat you, I need Phil Foden to get 12 tonight. Yeah, it's probably not happening. No, um, I mean, it could be Phil Foden 15 points. It could be Phil Foden doesn't even play. Who's yeah. first sub? Gabriel? Uh, Bowen. Oh, okay. Yeah, how is it that I've got four points from my three defensive players this week and yet I made the right choices? Yeah. Um, yes, I benched Gabriel's minus one. <laughs> Unbelievably. <laughs> Pau Torres, my other defender, obviously unavailable, who I obviously would have wanted to start this week. So, yeah, nothing from the defensive guys. Dubravka won, Porro won, Trent won. Uh, when Gusto locked in his zero-pointer, I certainly didn't think that was going to outscore Gabriel. The hand of Gab helped me out there. Nine for Saka, seven for Bailey, who I know was a lot of, oh, my God, there's Reconcer off in the 59th minute. But Bailey coming off in the 59th minute probably cost him three points and maybe more. I realise it obviously cost concert owners uh, at least five, most likely. Cole Palmer, eight-pointer. Ollie Watkins, 18. It's the second week in a row I've reflected and gone, should have captain Ollie Watkins. No, wait. You can't say that till Orleans played. 
Well, look, knowing that Watkins was going to play up front against the worst team in the league and knowing that there would be more space in an away game than a home game, um, look, did I expect it to go that well? No. And is Haaland going to get 18 tonight? No. No, I'll go on record and say that now. He won't get 18 points tonight. If he does, yeah, I'll be laughing as well. I've got Foden, Alvarez, Captain Haaland to go tonight. So no idea at this stage whether it's going to be a green or red. It's probably a more likely red for me. I obviously need Haaland to go Is it red at the good. moment? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I've dropped to 271k from about 215. But when your captain's still to play, you can't really define the game week, can you? What are you thinking moving forward now? I'm thinking, how is there only 43 points between us? What do you mean only? I thought it was like 100. I thought you honestly thought you were about 100 points ahead of me. Never. It's never been more than about 60, I don't think. Really? No, I don't think so. Uh, I, th- I honestly thought it would be more like 100. So if, are you telling me if I had a Captain Jota when I was supposed to and not missed the deadline, I'd be Yes, what I told you. Yeah. So we're into 5, 10 points? Yes. Oh, wow. I might put some effort in now. <laughs> might be helpful. <laughs> well... What am I thinking? Um, I may consider making a goalkeeper move. Why? If I hear news on Ariola, if I I hear news on Ariola, yeah. um, But even even if he was to miss this week with say concussion, it'd be long term. If he was out, nah, it's not going to be. It's a bang to the head, didn't he? Um, My other problem is obviously my volume of Liverpool uh, and Tottenham and Chelsea, but. With a view of 26, obviously, I want my Liverpool boys for, for 25. We should add. They did it. They announced it. Unbelievable. Well, well done, Premier League. Um, so, I can't sell my Liverpool until I go into 26. I'd like to have two frees rolling into 26. I've got two frees this week. Um, so, it may be a case of Porro is, uh, is on the chopping block for me. He hasn't particularly been returning recently. Um, and if I downgraded Porro, I've still got a First choice back three of Trent, Trippier and Gabriel. I mean, can't really complain with that as a first choice back three. So Porro is potentially on the chopping block for me just to give me one more player for game week 26. And the aforementioned Moussa Diaby. Uh, And I've got one point... Well, I've got 1.7 in the bank. So even if I I downgrade Porro to uh, even a Stupinan or something... um, I'd end up with the opportunity to go up to eight, eight and a half million, something along those so you, lines. How many city you got? Two. So, so you could go to like Foden under that circumstance yeah, if you wanted. For the double game week. Um, and obviously I'd still have him for 26 as well. So yeah, that would do me nicely. A city attacker would, would be first choice at the moment. Yeah, there's a lot of options uh, this week available. We should clarify just in case anyone is li- living under a rock. Yes, on Saturday morning they did confirm that Liverpool and Luton would go into game week 25. Not that FPL have confirmed it yet. Because okay, if, it's not you, showing if you go on the, on the fixtures for game week 25, it's still not there. But I can assure you Liverpool and Luton Good. has been announced for Wednesday the 21st of February. 7.30 kickoff, which is exactly what most of us thought was going to happen. Except it got to kind of Thursday and it was like, well, where is it? Then Friday didn't happen. You think, I'd got to the point where... Pete messaged me from FPL team. He messaged me Friday night and he said, should we change the projected fixtures? Um, and I said... Let's take let's, it off, you mean? Yeah, because yeah, obviously it was yeah. still there as 25. And I said, let's wait till Sunday. 
Let's wait till Sunday. And what I'd said to him was, move it to 37 and a potential treble game week if it's not announced by Sunday and stick Bournemouth Luton in 28. There has been a lot of speculation about Bournemouth Luton potentially going into game week 28. Uh, I would still be on the side of thinking that's less likely than likely, but it would certainly come as no surprise. There are a few, few that have been claiming on social media already that they know that it's going to happen. So be aware of that as a possibility. We spoke about that last Monday about Solanke, if it did drop as a triple captaincy option in that game week. What I would say is you'll probably know before game week 25, well, you should do. But look at these nutters leaving it till two and a half weeks before announcing Liverpool-Luton. So it should have been announced Monday because it should have known exactly, like if Liverpool-Luton went through in the cup, that's it, done, boom, announce it. Should have been announced on Sunday night, to be honest. But anyway... They've done it. I see a few people going, oh, the Premier League don't care about FPL. They'll announce it when they want. It's nothing to do with FPL. It's about notice for, for football fans and arranging their yeah, lives exactly. for a Wednesday night, etc. Anyway. Mm. Yeah, so we've got that information now. That's important. How many uh, blankers have you got in 26 Six. So currently, it doesn't look terrible in the sense I've only got Trent. I've got Palmer and Gusto, and I've got Pedro Porro. That's four. So it's four. But I obviously want to add more Liverpool, right? I don't want to go into the Liverpool with just one double. Villa-Chelsea replays, obviously, Wednesday night. That's massively important in terms of knowing which game between Arsenal v Chelsea and West Ham v Villa is on in 29. I spoke last week about I've got four players involved in the Arsenal-Chelsea fixture. I've got five involved in the West Ham-Villa fixture. I ain't doing nothing before that fixture is out the way on Wednesday night. We may get some additional information on Mo Salah this week. We know that he was running uh, at the end of last week. I would say my personal opinion right now would be that seeing how Trent's minutes have been managed and he wasn't out for long either, that they'll probably tread quite carefully with Mo. I wouldn't look at Mo and think, oh, you're playing 180 minutes in the double if he's suddenly back. But if you saw him get good minutes against Burnley at the weekend, it'd be enough to think, oh, shit. I need to chop this up and I would maybe do so, yeah. So, Villa Chelsea is important for me. Liverpool's obviously top of the agenda. Great fixture this week and now obviously it's a good double one in 25 with an awareness of 26 and 29. So, there's a number that are potentially on the chopping blocks for me. I think, yes, goalkeeper change is a possibility for me. Particularly if, let's say Bournemouth Luton was announced this week, I'd maybe look at Kaminsky, you know? Okay. I do like having keepers who've got doubles, even if it's a shit double. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because of the unpredictability of return. Penalty or whatever. I mean, when I talked about where I'd go to from Porro, Alfie Doughty, top of the list at 4.5 with the double in mind. Kaminsky doesn't give me an extra headache for 26, if you think about it, right? Because I just use the other keeper. So if I know Ariola's all right, he's probably looking ahead. Let's say that that Villa lost. Mm. I know that I'd have Ariola for 29. Also, Kaminsky's got Sheffield United this week, yeah, so yeah. timing's possibly not bad if you want to go down that route. Poro, unfortunately, probably is. I, I was of the opinion of saying, yeah, do you know what? There's no way I'm moving him because of 29, but it's a really good way for me to find a little bit of money, particularly if I, if I decide I want to go back to Mo, then yeah, Poro's probably going to have to get cut because I'm not cutting Trent at the moment. Gusto's on the chopping block. Pau Torres on the chopping block. Uh, Pretty much all of my midfield reluctantly is on the chopping block. Alvarez might be on the chopping block. And Watkins might be on the chopping block as well. If I, if I deem that I need to find money enough and go Watkins to Adebayo, for example, 
to find a Salah. Yeah, I might do that sort of thing. I can see me flipping Alvarez to get De Bruyne back in, potentially, if there's conclusiveness that Salah's unlikely to be back for 25. Jota's of real interest. Nunes is of interest. I think looking at my plan moving forward, if Villa win on Wednesday and Arsenal-Chelsea's going on in 29... I can see me joining Clayton's path and looking at an extra Arsenal defensive player actually in the build-up towards that because defensive players just ain't getting returns. Arsenal's fixture run, you can just focus on the doubles. Their fixture run is is good, what's coming up, right? So, yeah, there's lots of options um, which is going to be a lot defined by Wednesday night, I think, and that Villa-Chelsea game. Yep. You'd have to think Villa will win judging by the two teams' performances <laughs> at the weekend, but maybe Chelsea will sort themselves out. Any love for, like, Kwanzaa, for example? Now we know Kanate is going to get suspended, One right? Game. You don't think... Um, I think it actually makes Kanate more appealing. The fact right. he's got red carded. Because he'll, miss, he'll miss the Burnley game. And we, we, we've been saying a lot that Kanate was a potential problem because he would miss games like Burnley. Kwanzaa played in the reverse fixture. Obviously, they can use Joe Gomez at centre-back as well now that Trent and Robertson are back as well. Um, but I actually think Canate, interestingly, could be a cheap one to go for, for for 25 if you're struggling to get what you want from Liverpool assets. If you want to cover up... I, I've seen a lot of talk of what do we do about Trent now. And for those not on Trent, probably not going to force it. So something like Canate would still give you coverage in, in the double to cover that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it'll only be a one-game ban for him. I've got uh, value-based issues, James. We talked about the fact that your team value is about 104, 105. I went down the Correspondence League. Everyone is in the 104s, 5s. Somehow I'm at 102.5. I don't even know how, to be honest with you. Um, Cole Palmer, I bought at 5.2. He's now 5.9. And Richarlison, I bought at 6.7. He's now 7.2. Whereas Jota, there's only... He's only gone up by 0.1 and Trent has only gone up by 0.2. And obviously they'll get mass sold as well before the blank. So it might be that I'll have to come off both Liverpool players just to preserve the value in Richarlison and Palmer. I can't be taking hits on, on value. So uh, even if I was to add Doherty, which adds one more problem, the two players that I would sell going into 26 will probably be Trent and Jota. Yeah, I would be similar, yeah, quite possibly. What I would like to do this week is set my team ready for 25, even if that means taking a minus four now mm. so I can come into 26 with two threes. Trent is a definite sell for, for me in 26. I think Cole Palmer will get chopped by a lot of people, especially, obviously, if, if Chelsea did beat Villa on Wednesday night. You'd be looking at a situation where he's got City away 25, blank 26, blank 29, like, how useful is he to you? A lot of people who keep Palmer will bench in 25. So he's poten- potentially expendable for me, but he's also a nice enough value. I haven't got as much value in him as others, but he's also he's easier to keep than Sackers or Bowens if I need to find the money, basically, yeah. right? So uh, Gusto is definitely a potential for the chopping block. I can't stress enough how important for me personally that Villa-Chelsea game is on Wednesday in terms of looking at that picture further forward about what I want to do. Because ideally, I don't really want to free hit in 29. That said, if Bournemouth-Luton did get added to 28, it would add the case towards doing it again in a weird one of going right dead end to 28, possibly even free hit 29 and just wild come card. out and, and wild card from a mess, basically, quite possibly, yeah. Um, 
I was having a conversation with one of our patrons who was who was looking at potentially bench boosting in 28 if Bournemouth Luton went in there would potentially look quite nice. The problem with that would still be you'd be manoeuvring, I think, off of so many Liverpool and City with them likely to blank in 29 that you're looking at a mess in game week 30 or so. So it could even be that people suddenly go something like bench boost 28, free hit 29, wild card 30 and just get rid of the lot if they've used triple capacity in 25. As said, manoeuvring teams that will double differently in 34, 37, you're likely to have two different sets of teams doubling. But you could obviously get the best of both worlds in terms you might go, right, well, I'll have a lot of singlers in 34. We spoke about if the favourites progress in the cup, the teams that double in 34 might not be that attractive. Yep. So I don't like that as an idea, but it's perhaps a, a new one on the table for people if Bournemouth Luton got added. Cool, cool. Should we talk about some of the games from the weekend, James? Do so. Let's do so. Start with, start with my lot. Yeah. Uh, coach trip at five o'clock in the morning. No, six. Oh, okay. But I was, I was up at quarter to five, obviously. Oh. It is amazing. I'm I hate those of, early starts. I'm right. one of them. I, I, am, I do not like getting up in the morning. Yeah. My wife always says to me, you always get up all right for Spurs down, didn't you? And of course, <laughs> when the alarm went off at quarter to five, yeah, I shut up, didn't I? Yeah. You've got to. There's no, there's no snoozing the ten, the, for the 10 minutes or nothing at that stage. It's not There's worth. no Ricky Saunders you, to bail you out exactly, from, you, you, from uh, Bedford to you Merseyside. Shout out, Ricky. Um, so yeah, early coach journey, which was fine. I caught a bit of nap. Literally, we, we stopped at a service station. And as we were at the service station, the announcement come through about Liverpool loot. And I thought, yeah, that's great little timing, actually. Um, Everton deserved their late equaliser. Good limbs at the end, by the way, on the Gladys Street. That's the best yeah. limbs I've seen for a while, as much as I didn't want to see it. Yeah, they deserved their point. I mean, if you looked at the XG between the two teams, you you could probably be led to thinking Everton deserved to win. I don't think that's quite the case because all of Everton's threat came from crossing the ball, essentially. And in the second half, to be honest with you, up until about minute 80, Everton didn't look like they were going to score. We were in control. We looked like we'd sorted out the corner problem, which I'll touch on in a second. But then, um, was it Beto or Chimiti? One of them who'd come on, had a brilliant chance, should have scored... And it livened them up because they were quiet, actually. And then, to be honest, it was when they equalised, my thoughts were the same as when Wolves equalised against us. When I went down, we conceded two late goals. It was get out now. Yep. Get out now. Just take the point and get out because more chance of us losing it here than going and winning it again. We actually played much better in the second half than we did in the first. In the first... We, we really struggled to retain possession and, and actually get in their half. The possession statistics don't suggest that. Everton worked really, really hard, played well, were a big threat. And when balls came into the box, it was, it was a problem, particularly from corners, as I mentioned. There's been a lot of focus on Vicario on the first goal. Um, I think particularly off the back of Nathan Aki's goal against us was similar in the sense the corner comes kind of right on top of him. And I've worked out what the problem is with him. He doesn't punch anything. He doesn't. He doesn't punch anything. Is he a flapper or a catcher? He, he catches fine. And actually, there was a number in the second half, which it's easy to forget, where he's, he's come through the crowd and he's, and he's caught it and he's held it. He doesn't, it dawned on me on the way home, he doesn't punch anything. So I think a lot of the theory is at the moment, if you put it on top of him, even if he gets two hands on it, he's not going far. Like the Aki goal, he, yeah. he can't because if you're putting enough pressure on him, 
And what players, it's not a foul. What what player teams are doing is, you're obviously backing in and putting pressure. Crowding the area, What yeah. Tottenham have got to do is clear the area for him. And then they're not. So it's, it's actually, you could, you could highlight him as a problem. And it is a problem. He's got to learn to punch. But Tottenham need to protect him better to give him the space to deal with something whilst he builds up the confidence to punch it or give him the space and claim, which happened on a few occasions in the second half. And obviously, it was obvious as soon as the Man City goal happened, teams are going to target it. It's exactly the same. Once you see a weakness in, in teams, teams will go and exploit it. I spoke about the goal Palace scored late on against us when it went over Porro's head earlier in the season and teams were going to start looking for that off the back of Porro on the back post. That then started happening for a number of weeks. And it's not Tottenham, just Tottenham that this is happening to, by the way. This is actually a trend that's happening a lot with goalkeepers on corners in set plays. Last Wednesday against Brentford, there was a moment, and I kid you not, this happened where Brentford were about to take a, a, a corner and all 10 of their outfield players were in our six-yard box. It didn't even have anyone on the edge of the box. Right. So if you cleared it out, it was like... Break. Well, yeah, obviously. Now, as, as Jensen went to take the corner, four of them come out and went to the edge of the box. Mm. But it causes enough confusion and problems. Imagine all them bodies there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goalkeeper's got nothing. Yeah. What Tottenham need to do is get someone in there who's going to push the player out of Vicario's way. You won't concede a penalty for it. Yeah. Just get them pushed out the way as the kick's being about to taken. Because if the ball's dead... I saw one yesterday in your game where um, Zuma uh, got hit in the, the chin yep. by Hoyland. Hoyland. And we couldn't see if the ball was in play or not. If the ball's in, in play... The eye, he got hit. Yeah, if, yeah. if the ball's in, not in play at that point, you ain't getting no decision for it. You can't because yeah, the yeah, ball's yeah. dead. So when the ball was about to be taken, you need someone to just push him out of the way to yeah. clear the path for Vicari and it will solve the problem. Um, I don't know if Tottenham will solve it. Mm. Richie um, has, on form. has made me eat a lot of my words. And do you know what? It's now a consistent run of games where you look at him and go, he's playing really well. He's now had four consecutive really good performances for Tottenham. That includes the Man City defeat, where he was probably, our, well, he was certainly our best player offensively. But he does all the dog's work going. If you look at the goals he's scoring, they're nearly all one-touch finishes. He falls into that category like a Nunes or something. It's like if you've got too much time Time's to think, to about, think it. about it. Yeah. The two finishes are exceptional. So his confidence is now flying. He obviously didn't celebrate. I love the second one where you know inside he's such a good goal. He's thinking, I want to smile. So he's put the shirt over his head. Yeah. And he's yeah, obviously yeah. giving himself a little moment. But at least he's not taking his shirt off and getting himself booked, booked. now. That's helpful. Someone's had What's, a word. Uh, interesting question for you. What's Richarlison's record with and without Son in the team? Well, a lot of these goals include Son playing as well, right? Okay. So similar would be if you're looking yeah. over the last nine games I guess Sun's played probably more than half of looking them looking at your lineup now Bar you'd, you'd play Bissouma over Hoiberg and probably Sun, well, you would play Sun over Werner well more importantly Saar back in um, Bissouma has been a rumour well, by on, the way but then you wouldn't drop Bentoncourt if you, you, you've got Bentoncourt in there so you're either playing Bissouma or Saar well, Hoiberg, Hoiberg won't be first choice yeah so it's Bissouma or Saar it's not both Unless you uh, drop him, Brennan Johnson. Well, he, well, to be honest, the options now there to rotate the thing. Like was Kudelski's. Yeah, but I'm talking about what's your what's your first choice eleven? Who would be alongside Bentoncourt? It'd be Basuma, surely. Sar's got to be in that team at the moment for me. Okay, so Basuma brings, brings too Basuma much energy. Basuma can just chill in Afcon. Well, what I was going to say is 
he hasn't started Marley's last two games. There's been reports of a thigh injury. He did right. come on. They went out at the weekend, so he is technically available next week. He did come on in extra time, but he hasn't started the last two. And he's obviously one of their key players. So he has had a bit of a thigh injury. I've also heard rumours that he's been suffering with a bad bout of illness. There has been some rumours of malaria even. So I don't think Basuma will go straight back in. I think Saar will come in and Bentoncourt will play a deeper role. Madison will obviously stay in the team. Sun is highly unlikely to be back. They do play tomorrow in their Asia Cup semi-final, but are massive favourites to go through. They equalise against Saudi Arabia in the 99th minute last week and equalise against Australia in the 96th minute on Friday and managed to get themselves through both of them. Sonny scored the winner. Brilliant free kick, by the way. Um, if they did lose tomorrow, then he's potentially back for Saturday. I would foresee that Tottenham's first choice front three would be Sun left, Richarlison up front and Kulusevski on the right. Werner is playing well, but there's no way once Sun's back that he doesn't go back in the team. Agreed. Uh, Tottenham definitely in don't buy, don't sell territory for the next few, really, basically. Well, yeah, I think blank. sell is a case. I mean, with Richarlison, to be honest with you, the only reason not to buy right now is the blank. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you'd want him in, I think. Yeah, yeah. If Tottenham were playing in 26, even though it would be Chelsea away, and people might say, well, yeah, that's all right, you'd, you'd buy him. You'd be all over getting him as a priority, I think, at the moment. You've got an OOP midfielder playing up front as the nine. Place is secure. I, I, he will not get taken out of that team while he's scoring goals and playing well. It's just the fact that the blank in 26 gives you a headache. Otherwise, he'd be more of a priority to buy, really, this week than, say, Jota. But Jota's got an extra fixture before 26, probably, as well. So I can't see me going there. Those who've got should hold. That should not be your sacrifice with two home games coming up. They're, they're difficult games, Brighton and Wolves, but Brighton, we know, can concede and Wolves obviously despite a great result yesterday have conceded six in their last two as well right so you don't want to move that on Porro is more expendable because Tottenham don't look like keeping clean sheets and although Mickey van der Ven particularly was outstanding again on Saturday the reality is this since van der Ven and Romero came back in the team Tottenham have conceded two to Man United two to Brentford and two again at the weekend so, despite the fact that the best choice backline is all now there, so we are still goals. conceding goals. So, you are so reliant on the attacking returns. And, of course, over the last couple, it's Destiny who's provided mm. the attacking returns. I still think Porro is the better asset longer term. But that's now, if you're looking at, say, Porro, and you can drop him down to Doughty. whatever. If you can afford to bench. Well, even more, if you need more money, Excuse me. Ted and Mengi is 3.9 now. He dropped over the weekend, and he's first choice for Luton. He'll play. Yeah. Um, Van Heck's another one to carry you through fixtures. We'll probably play games dirt cheap. So there's a load of you, you can come right down, even if you need to find the money. So he might reluctantly be expendable. It would be a reluctant, though. Brighton 4, Palace 1. I feel like as soon as we saw Noeze, Noelise, it was, the Brighton was on the wall a little bit here for Palace. You just feel like they've just come off a, a good result with the two of them playing. Uh, I heard on the radio afterwards, James, do you know how many games this season Eze and Elise have started together? Isn't it like two? Four. 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 And it just makes a complete difference to that team. You're talking about two top quality footballers. I mean, the two, yeah, yeah. The two of them, but put this we, into we, perspective. We'd all have them in our team if well, we that's could, it. right? The two Straight of them away. would get into most teams in the league. Yeah, yeah. But top three. If or, not all. Yeah. I mean... If the two of them played for City, did they get in? 
They play enough minutes, wouldn't they? Put it this way, I'd rather have Eze than uh, 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 Mateus Nunez, for example, um, that they bought. Like That would be a better better buy for them, potentially. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a real disappointment for for, Bright, uh, for Palace, of course. I mean... Um, I bet Palace fans are only relieved that it didn't get embarrassing. Yeah, João Pedro, obviously, we, we were expecting news that he might be out for a while. And wasn't. Played? <laughs> well, Deserby did say on Friday he said a fitness test. So Yeah, yeah. Um, Pascal Gross popping up with a couple of assists. He's up the top 10, 12 point scoring midfielders now. Consistent as uh, hell. But he did make a few changes, did Deserby, uh, and they're back to winning ways. But obviously tougher fixture at the weekend. Yeah, it's probably not an invest in Brighton at, at this moment with, with Tottenham away at the weekend. That said, it's it's not dive off your likes of Jao Pedro and Gross. Yeah, no. They'll be, I mean, Gross will take a lot of set pieces against Tottenham, for example. Will Brighton, you've seen Brighton score from a set piece at the weekend through Lewis Dunk, where actually Henderson gets pinned in a similar way. Um, play Sam Johnston, please, Roy. It's a little bit of free advice I'll keep telling you every week. Um, so I think your Brighton assets, you particularly the attacking ones at least, you'd want to play this weekend. Defensively, more question marks. So I said last week that it had been kind of flip-flopping with sort of back four, back three. This was similar as well. If you look at Tarek Lamptey's average position at the weekend, who's basically played left wing back slash left wing, he's basically the highest player in the team. Yep. Obviously, Stupinan didn't start. Now, I think all that's a case of, personally, is... Um, the amount of minutes that he's played recently and Brighton having a, a little period there where they played Tuesday and potentially managing his minutes. But it did also say on, I think on Friday's pod, that he got hauled off at half-time at Luton and similar happened at Villa as well. And after the Villa game, he seemed like he maybe had the hump with him and he was injured. And then after the Luton game, again, he's not started. Now, there's every chance he'll come back in and also he can play left-sided centre-back. But as a left-sided centre-back, it's less of an interest as an FPL asset. Also, if Brighton were to continue in this vein where the left-sided defender, if you will, is going to basically play like a winger, well, guess what? Matoma's back this week. So that is Stupinan's situation for those who own needs serious monitoring. I think he's the second most sold so far this week. So that's a definite don't go and invest at the moment. Those who own need to kind of keep a watch for wire during the week. I guess many might have been benching him this week anyway. If that's the case, probably take some information for an extra week before you make a decision. I don't think you're going to invest new in the others like Gross and Pedro, but as said, you'll probably want to play this week. Van Heck should should be kept an eye on. It's another one that falls into that enabler category yep. that might find you the money. I, do, I don't think he'll play every game like Dunk will, but he'll play the majority. What you also have to factor for Brighton as well is once you get beyond 26, then they go back to playing every midweek. And then it's a free-for-all, isn't it, in terms of who plays and who doesn't. Mm. For Palace... As Hodgson said, as I said on Tuesday after the game, he said he was fine. Don't, I'm, I'll be all right. And then Hodgson said on Friday, he said, we've sent him for a scan. And, and I thought, well, that's really conflicting. If you've been sent for a scan, I'm not sure if you're going to play tomorrow, but kind of yeah, trusted yeah. Eze's own word to say, probably be all right. So Hodgson didn't sound too hopeful on Eze when he spoke after the game. So he's probably going to be out for a while. And Elise they obviously got to tread very carefully now. Even if even if he's just felt it and he's gone, oh, take me off. This is and it could be that it could be that he's felt a twinge and gone, uh oh, I I shouldn't be risked here. Take me off, and it might be that. 
But if he's out for a while and Eze's out for a while and Mark Gay went off injured in the first half as well, if you take them three out of that team for the rest of the season... They could go down, yeah. It's not could. It's subject to points deductions of other they would. Mm. They'd be in big trouble real quickly. Um, Five points between them and Everton at the moment. I I don't know if they're going to change with Roy or not or if they're just hoping to kind of trundle on to the end of the season. But if them three players are out, they're in massive trouble. Really, really are. So, uh, yeah, you wouldn't be investing in them at the moment. Chris Richards um, played in midfield again, who's obviously 3.9. I know a few have had their eye on. Obviously, Gay's injury, he'll be the most likely to cover at centre-back. That might be affected once Rob Holding's back fit, but I don't know how long he's going to be out for at the moment. And again, like I said last week, there's a few who've been looking at Palace players to potentially cover 26 and 28 respectively. But if them other three are out, you wouldn't fancy their chances no matter what the fixtures are anyway. Yeah. They're in trouble. Another team in trouble, Burnley. Burnley two, Fulham two. Um, yeah. They'll be happy though. Like obviously they've yeah, got Fafana in now, and he's come come on and scored two goals. Um, so t- to get a draw out of it, they when they're two 0 down at half time, they will be happy with that. But um, Liverpool, they Arsenal, need wins. Liverpool, yeah, and Liverpool and Arsenal with our next. It's two. one of those you get to the stage in the season where yeah, draws it's, it's, are, draws are no longer helpful for you, and this is where they're at now. Yeah. I've said that last week. I think it's, it's probably too, Seven too late, to too late for them now. I think. And obviously Luton going, we'll talk about it in a sec, to, to St. James is picking up a point, which is a free point almost, where you don't expect them. Well, that's it now. You you couldn't yeah. at this minute, with respect, you couldn't see them finishing above Luton. No Never chance. Never mind someone else. No, no chance. That what gives them a chance, the only thing that's going to give them a chance is the Premier League. If the, if the Premier League smash off another 10 points off Everton and Forest, then... So they need to keep plugging away. That's the best advice. And the same goes for Sheffield United. Even though you look, you look doomed, you just got to keep plugging away because that's your chance. Is yep. that the Premier League dragged them right into it and then hopefully you, you potentially have a run at the end of the season. But if Everton and Forest aren't in for points deductions, now nah, they're, they're gone. Um, obviously, Datro Fafana scored both of their goals coming on as a, a substitute. The first was a little bit of a strange one from Leno, just completely misread the, the cross. And I don't think for, I don't think Fafana actually headed it where he intended to. It was a bit fifty pence, yep. I thought. Um, and he's obviously fortuitous with the finish for the second as well. Should Bernie stick him in the team in the sense that his confidence would be up? Yeah, just stick him in the team and yep. and go for it. Um, they obviously had a couple of other deb- debutants as well. Lorenz Asignon, who assisted um, Fafana's first goal, ended up in a left wing position, played right back, but it was just a breakaway from a corner. And he broke really well, and it was a good cross, actually. He's four, four million in FPL. And Maximus Steve, who came on at halftime uh, for Ekdal, is also four million, left-sided centre-back. They've got loads of <laughs> four million or so defenders. That's just blurred the lines even more. Seen people, oh, is Act uh, Kill nailed now? 3.8. He didn't start the weekend. Vitinho went to left back. It's just messy. You don't want any of that anyway. For Fulham, that's really disappointing having been 2 new up. And they were in control, really. Mm. Didn't really look like they were going to blow this either. Um, Rodrigo Munez played up front, took his goal really well. Does Breuer come straight in for well, him? That needs monitoring. I'm looking at Breuer and, and Kenny coming off the bench. I mean, Kenny has been playing all right. And yeah. they've had a lot of possession. I mean, we talk about it on the Sky Show about pass numbers and stuff. 
when he'd been in the team. I do think they haven't bought Breuer uh, for... I think they've paid a four million loan fee for him for the rest of the season. The the loan fee is dependent on how many minutes he plays. It can effectively be but also, nothing. there's no point in not playing him just so you don't have to pay the loan fee. Like, you got him for a reason. Play him. Well, I think they got him in because I think there might be fears that him and his injury is worse than we currently know. And he'd, he'll, let, he'd play ahead of... They let Carlos Vinicius go Muniz. to Galatasaray. I'm sure that... So if, if they'd not... Yeah, but obviously Muniz went into this as a doubt as well. So if they'd not got Breuer... But he'd only <coughs> literally had two, three they, days with the, the squad. They might have been left with just Muniz up front, potentially. Yeah. So they had to get him in. I'm sure the intention is to play him. I think so too. Muniz has scored. He, he might play the next one as well. Point is, I don't think... Don't dive into them yet. But you'll keep an eye on them because they're potentially good at neighbours going into 29, mm. right? Yeah. If you know which one's going to play. Um, Leno is still a very decent option. Robinson seems to be playing the majority of games at left back. And I think you people will get drawn to keep looking at Fulham, even though it is Tottenham in 29. It's knowing that the fixture is there and the fixtures aren't terrible over this run. So I think they're probably more a watch and wait at this moment, though. Yeah, let's talk about the uh, possibly game of the weekend, 4-4. Well, it's got to be, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, I mean, awful defending generally. Like, it was, there was some bad defending, some decently taken goals. But I think uh, most of the goals, you'd say, were preventable in some way or other if there was just a little bit better defending. But also, who cares? Let's give us a 4-4, right? Let's have yeah, a bit yeah, of car yeah. crash. And for Luton to, to come back twice, then take the lead... Their tails were really up. Like they've got a bit of swagger about them now. They've got players there uh, who got got two eyes on. Like Ben is playing really well at the moment. He's you'd be looking the at eye. them at the moment. I think you, you couldn't look at them that, exactly what I said that Palace scenario. Yeah. If Palace had that scenario for the end of the season, we're not suggesting they're all out for the rest of the season. But if they did, Luton would finish above them. Yeah, I I, I think. I have no, like, if you just said to me at the start of the season, I'm going to be considering buying Luton players and what have you, double aside, I'd still, even if there wasn't a double, I still think the likes of Doughty and stuff are capable considerations, Kaminsky and stuff. They've, they've forced their way into people's thoughts and the, the, the two doubles helps. Um, definitely. I think they, they gave Newcastle a tough old game. They've, they've just scored eight goals in two games. Against Newcastle and Brighton, yeah, they won at Luton. In, uh, sorry, they won at Everton in the cup last weekend, which my my club obviously couldn't manage at the weekend. They're in absolutely brilliant form. I feel like the Chelsea defeat was a light bulb moment when they lost three two because they absolutely hammered them in the last twenty minutes of that game, despite not really being in it. Chelsea deserved the lead they had on that day were delighted to get out of there with the three points by the end. And I think it gave them real confidence in terms of actually playing. They're not just... Yes, they're a big threat at set pieces, but this team's playing good football, primarily because they've got a player in the middle of the pitch who's got a brilliant range in terms of what he can do, right? Russ Barkley at his peak is a great distributor of short and long passes and a good ball carrier. Yep. So they can play into him. And he is an FPO option. At the moment, you're looking for an enabling midfielder... He's an option. Kaminsky in goal, we've spoken about. Option. Tedemengi, option. Doughty, option. Adebayo, option. Colton Morris has found a new position in the last um, couple where actually he's playing a bit of a deeper role, but he's also getting returns again. Mm. He's got an 11-pointer at the weekend. Loads of options. And if it wasn't for the blank in 26, you'd be going, oh my God, these are my options to get 
salad, the brine, and all that. You'd go for it. 100%. It's just, it's just a headache of giving yourself too much more. The changes as well. Imagine if, and we won't know this. If you're free hitting in 26, ride it through. I don't like free hitting 26. I know. It is more, it, but for some the, people, the heavier it might you be go, the situation. To be honest, I'd rather you just played nine or ten. Yeah. I think rather rather than doing that, and that is an option as well. You go well. I'm not going to have eleven in twenty six. I mean, to be honest, you'd make a case to go like Trent Doughty, keep your Porro and stuff like that, and go well. Defensive players ain't getting returns anyway, so what does it matter? Sell maybe Trent for like a Marino in twenty six, and yeah, ride it, ride it with like. I think you primarily want the attacking players not worry so much about the defensive stuff. Imagine as well if if the Bournemouth game did go in 28. And imagine if they play Forest in 29 as well. Now, at the time of 25, you won't know about 29 because the, obviously the cup fixtures that are following midweek. You might know about 28 though and that would potentially put a real different slant on things. If you're looking suddenly and going double, blank, single, double and could be single, if you're running through... You'd potentially just take the punishment in 26 and keep keep their players. Agreed. So, Newcastle, on the other hand, like they're missing a few, but it doesn't feel like they're missing loads. Like obviously, Pope in goal would be a better option. You'd play Joel Linton. And then Joe one, Linton, of, Joe, they're one both of his big, sack. They're both big misses. And Wilson, maybe. But it's not like they're decimated like they had been previously earlier in the season. There's probably three players you might bring into well, that team, the, maybe The four. story of Newcastle's season is rather kind of summed up by the weekend of Harvey Barnes <laughs> being back available and coming off the bench and scoring. But he's come back off the bench and scored for an injured Gordon. And... Gordon left in a protective boot. That, that can always be over-exaggerated because they just tend to do that all the time now. We had that with Dominic Solanke, I remember, last mm-hmm. season. I think they had a game on the Monday. He left West Ham in a protective boot. He played on a Saturday. So you can read too much into that. But the general suggestion going around is, yeah, he, he, it, it might be problematic for Gordon. So if people own, and obviously he's ruled out, I think with what's going on in terms of the, the blanks doubles, he's going to have to go into sell territory unfortunately. Callum Wilson obviously back off the bench as well to cover for Isak. That's how it feels for them. It's like one back, one out. It's been yep. like that nearly all season for them. I think the real big problem at the weekend, most of them you would have been able to see it if you've seen any form of highlights, was how well Bene, who's another possible option for Luton, by the way. Yeah, I didn't even check. Is he a midfielder? Is he down yeah, he's midfielder? a midfielder. I mean, he won't appeal too much because he's playing right wing back. But he's playing really offensive in that role. But he is getting high. Yep, absolutely. He wouldn't be the worst one, honestly. He absolutely tore Byrne. And Byrne was getting done by Bailey in midweek as well. Mm. So that's two in a row now where Dan Byrne getting run out by you know good, quick dribblers such as Bailey or Benny has been real he's, problematic. He's if you, a forward, Benny. Is he? He's a forward, is mate. He listed as a forward. <laughs> Four point nine million forward, bro. Yeah, you couldn't then. I don't think under that circle you would go out of bio over Ogbeno. So yeah, yeah, sorry, he probably <clears throat> would be off the table. Um, I think I think they'll change and go Livramento at left back now, and there'll be people still sitting there with him. You might be in for some good news. Yeah, I think there's every chance he'll come in for Dan Byrne now. Mm. Uh, Lascelles probably isn't going to get back in. No, I think Botman's share is obviously clear as as the first choice centre-back. Kieran Trippier is just about near enough the only well-owned defensive asset to return at the weekend. Yes, Alex Moreno owners, I hear you. Um, but the only one with significant ownership who's returned at the weekend. Chaotic. Yeah. Chaotic for them. And unfortunately, that I think they may still have some of these. 
you wouldn't expect them to concede four at home, would you? And it's not a one-off, right? The Forest three one as well earlier in over the Christmas period. So now, for one reason or another, and it is primarily injuries, going to St James's just isn't feeling quite as daunting for others as it would feel. And I feel I think this is a real blow for Newcastle because after they won at Villa, you did look at their fixtures and think it could put a real run together here and put themselves right back in the frame. And ironically, it's a different United. Manchester United have kind of put themselves closer rather than Newcastle. They have. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, let's talk about Sheffield United nil, Aston Villa 5 I mean a very very comfortable win I had my uh, my in-laws came around for dinner on a Saturday James so I watched the first 10 minutes that's all they, you needed to watch then they arrived I thought right I better go and start doing some cooking so I let them change whatever they wanted to on the telly checked on sofa score 15 minutes later 4-0 I was like where did that come from I could have scored the four goals while I was watching um, comfy but when you score that many goals that quickly, the game's dead at that point. Game is absolutely dead and game state changes a little bit and what in, have you. Embarrassingly easy. Yeah. Um, by the way, if you look at the XG, I think there's only about one between them in the end. 2.2-ish for Villa. And Villa. And 1.5. Yeah, nearly all of that for Sheffield United is after 5-0. Yeah. Other than uh, Diaz had a good chance at 0-0, which Martinez <laughs> nearly um, fumbled through him. He is playing really well, Emi Martinez, before Villa people come for me. Because he's world uh, class. So Sheffield United went to a, a back five. They went 5-4-1, which is understandable because it worked so well when they played Villa mm. uh, only, what, six weeks or so ago, right? And they deserved their point that night at Villa Park. They really did. Even when they went in front, you could feel the Sheffield United goal potentially coming as the, the nervousness grew for Villa. But this was... A car crash. Um, Mason Holgate has now made two debuts this season. Um, and he's lost 5-0 on both occasions. Ouch. Lost 5-0 on his Southampton debut, I think at Sunderland. And he's lost 5-0 on his Sheffield United debut in this one as well. I'm not suggesting he's the sole problem here. But listen, if Everton don't want you, that probably unfortunately tells I a little bit that, of the story. Look uh, at that Aston Villa midfield three of Louise Tielemans and Kamara. And I'm like, that's solid, you know. That's a really good three to have well, in there. 
there's a, a common denominator in terms of Villa's best stuff. Um, and those who listen regularly will know I keep saying what it is. It's Bailey playing, probably in front of, in front of Concer, and it's Yuri Tielemans playing. That is the best combination for Villa at the moment. Concert, by the way, we think is fine. He collided with a post and it was precautionary to take him off. Similarly with Bailey, um, obviously he is injury prone or has been. We know that. We know that he didn't start against Newcastle. He had a bit of a back complaint. If they've got a game one, they're going to take him off and protect him because he's playing too well not to be protected. I saw a stat on Scout. So Watkins uh, is providing a goal involvement, I think, 1.11 per 90 this season, which is madness, right? He's now on double figures for goals and assists. Bailey is per 90 about 1.08. He's only just behind him. With Bailey, it's just about to get in the minutes with him. He'll get the returns. Um, They've got a good run now as well. He might have to be on the chopping block for me as well. Yeah, I mean, United at home, as much as United beat West Ham, we'll talk about it. They weren't like what I would call impressed. Like, I think Villa will beat them at Villa Park. Fulham, Forest, Luton, then Spurs, but it's a home game. Then West Ham away and then Wolves. They've got a prolonged, decent run. It's just that they've got no doubles, but they we, and we need to find out what's happening in Game Week 29. But should they play West Ham in Game Week 29? Definitely still options uh, at Aston Villa to go for. I can definitely see me going Trent to Alex Moreno in 26. Yep. I can I can see that move. It, it might not be beyond reason. Say if Pau Torres is ruled out for longer, I may even flip that now. Because as much as you could say, you have to be aware of this. It's all right saying, oh, I've got Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham, Luton players possibly blanking in 26. If you've got people like Pau Torres for me, that's another problem. Now, I want Pau Torres to play against Forrest, right? Yep. In 26, it's a good fixture. If I don't think he's going to be back, then that's a problem. If I do think he's going to be back, then I don't want to flip that because I don't particularly need him now in the next two. It's 26 again now that I would need him. Moreno would be the one. I'd take the upside of that. Particularly if, like I said, you've, if you're figuring potentially going Trent to Moreno in, say, 26, the money's not going to be a problem. You're not going to need money building towards 29 if that's your intention. You might be targeting the likes of Bournemouth, Luton, it will be enough to allow you to get like a son back in if you want to. If you're going Trent and Moreno, it won't be difficult to go to a son from a like a Bowen or a Foden or so, if that's the sort of thing you want to do. So I think, yeah, you, you'd go for the upside of Moreno. Yes, there'll be a little bit of concern over rotation. Yes, European fixtures will restart for them after 27. He'd definitely be first choice. And I think I'd want to take the chance on him. Yep, agreed. Sheffield um, United are... They won't stay up. I'll tell you why they won't finish by Burnley. <laughs> so, with Burnley, the Premier League might give Burnley a lifeline. I cannot see Sheffield United staying up. And shout out to Tomo, FPL Blade, our Sheffield United correspondent, who was quite clear in going about our Slack channels at the weekend and telling people to Captain Watkins. It's like he's going to destroy us. Um, Tomo's on COTC this week to preview their game at Luton with Dan Ashby. And I think Tomo will come on and he'll be like, yeah, you can captain Luton players this week. <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, the Sunday game. James Bournemouth won, Forest won. I think Dominic Slanky ended up being the, one of the biggest frustrations for FPL owners really over quiet, the weekend. Really quiet. Um, not a single shot on target or off target. I mean, I've not seen a lot of the game, but that, I'm that's, grateful that's the reports. 
that he's given Holland the chance because that was a transfer I made last game week. So if Holland as captain goes off today, it's made it uh, a worthwhile transfer. I feel like when I look at uh, Forest's front four in Hudson Odoi, Gibbs White, Alanga, and Awani that started, there's goals in that. Yes, there is. And it, if you look at the teams below us, and even Palace, if they are missing one of their better players, I do think Forest they've been scoring under Nuno, and I think that that front four gives me some hope that they actually will continue to keep scoring. Um, not that I particularly. I really like Dominguez interest, as well. He's shown him yeah. play left, right, centre midfield, ten. Really good multifunctional player. He obviously played a deeper role at, um, at the weekend. Yeah. So I like him as well. So you're right. Yeah, I see goals in that team. What I see them doing at the moment, though, is um, going more Nuno ball against comfortably superior teams. So, for example, when they go to Villa in 26, I don't think they'll pick a team as offensive as that. Yeah, I think they'll play something like Dominguez in a wider role. Maybe Sangari will be back, sticking back into midfield, for example. They obviously have the option to potentially go with a, a back five as well. And they've got four players still, uh, three players still at AFCON, Bolly, Sangari and Aina. Serge Ori has been sold. Nico Williams played right back in this one. It's worth saying that when he played, and the two chances he had in the first half didn't look quite right. I know he scored against Arsenal, but he looked a, a, a little bit shorter conditioning, I thought. And Chris Wood obviously didn't play because he's got his own injury as well. Matt Sells played in goal. Obviously come in from, I think from Renz, I want to say. I might have that wrong. And that was inevitable. Forrest were basically trying to buy half the league in the last week before the window shut. They were basically... Half the goalkeepers in the yeah, league, I would they, say. They were being linked with uh, all the way to like Ramsdale's, backup yep. goalkeepers at like nearly every club in the league, basically, if they were available. It was so desperate to get one. This guy's fairly experienced. He was at Newcastle a few years ago as well. You couldn't put him at fault for the goal at the weekend, but they had to get something done in that area. Um, they're, they're still in trouble. But you are right, it, it, it is a blessing, I think, to look at them and think, yeah, you've got some players in there that can win you games. Because the more you come into this period, if you can put yourself in a position, if you're a Forest and suddenly you can win two games in a row, you're out. Basically, you're out of trouble. Yep. They've obviously got to keep their eye on what's going to happen. By the way, the, the scheduled decision on Forest and Everton's next uh, punishment is not till April. Everton should find out about their appeal, we think, in the next two weeks. But Forrest could end up suddenly getting a big points deduction in April. And they've got, to, they've got to be of the mindset of thinking, we're in the bottom three now. That's got to be their mindset. So that brings an element of pressure. But yeah, decent result. I don't think Bournemouth, Bournemouth didn't do enough to, to win this. No. I'd add on to them... Game week 27, a comeback for Bournemouth with a double in 28, well, fingers crossed. Potentially, if it happens, there was a little bit of rotation in this one in the sense that Tavernier and Alex Scott didn't start. But I, I do think that's mainly a contributing factor of playing Thursday, Sunday. But then also, if that's the scenario in 28, where it's Wednesday and Saturday or something like that, well, it's maybe the same problem. One of them, if, if they had the double in 28... One of them midfielders is like Tavernier or Scott, particularly, I think is really going to appeal. So I'd keep an eye on them. And the defensive ones will potentially appeal as well. I remember, if 28 would happen, it's Luton at home and Sheffield United at home. Yeah, like two you would pictures. want three. You could definitely, under that circumstance, go, well, I'm going to go just send a Sile Zabani for a game here. 
Yep. Definitely could. Lloyd Kelly kept his place at left back rather than Milos Kerkes. That's the one you'd really like. But I don't Milos know if Kerkes. Kerkes is going to play. Yeah, bit of an ongoing problem at the moment. Um, red card, by the way, for me is correct decision. I hate them tackles. I hate them tackles. Then professional fouls. If you actually look, he goes with a right and actually he doesn't mean to stand on him in the way he does, but it's bad. It's really dangerous. He actually didn't, he thinks if I miss him with a right, I'm going to kick him again with a left. I hate them tackles when they're clear professional fouls. I would like them to be red cards anyway. And in that circumstance where the actual contact is really bad, for me, it's completely unquestionable. That's a red card. Yep, go. Chelsea 2, Wolves 4. Is Maurizio in trouble? He is. He really is. isn't he I tell you what I did this morning I thought Wolves would give him a tough game because I went to the to- draw, I went I to think. the toilet this morning uh, which is the correct place to be thinking about Chelsea at the moment if I'm totally honest and it, it dawned on me I had this sudden thought and I went maybe they can't sack him like, right well if you think about it because like, of uh, payoff yeah Imagine, imagine seriously, imagine they were that close on PSR. If they sack him now, it's got to go on the financial reports this year, right? Imagine they were that close to the edge and they couldn't sack him because of that. Now, he's I only, don't think they should. He's only on a two-year contract, so it's probably really unlikely. I don't think they should. But if he was on a five-year contract, it might have been a problem, you know? Yeah. Do you think they should sack him? I, I think I, I said to Chelsea fans at the start of the season, you will need three, four months to see it's been longer than that, where though. you're at. And I think you've seen little brief periods like of upshoots, like the Man City 4-4. They were great, right? That's three months ago now. When you look at the team you, they're picking at the weekend, you'd have to even say, yeah, sure, there's a few that you, you they're without who could come back in. Like, Maybe Rhys James. Like Rhys James, Fofana. Centre-back. Uh, and the goalkeeper, goalkeeper, I think Sanchez, yeah, sure. But actually, Petrovic has not been Chelsea's problem. He, he's, no. he's been fine in goal. Um, I couldn't look at any of them goals and think it was his fault, particularly with the deflections. Like, he's not a fault for any of them goals at the weekend, so he's not their biggest problem. But honestly, you look at that team now and you go, yeah, that, that might be their best 11. Yeah, definitely the front, uh, midfield two and then the four in front of them. Um, there was a lot of chatter within our slack that we we had win that we thought this was the Chelsea team on Saturday night. There's someone going around, I don't know who it is, on some forum who seems to keep getting the predicted team right kind of 24 hours in advance for Chelsea. Something to be aware of. Um, and it was exactly that that it was. And it was obviously Chilwell and Gusto. A factory in everything I've been saying about protecting Thiago Silva. As soon as I saw that team, I thought they're in bang trouble. Um, and I went in our Chelsea Slack channel and went, I think Pedro Neto is going to have some joy up. And sure enough, he did. Neto actually played as the central forward uh, with license to go and drift into those wide areas and vacate the space, obviously, particularly to the right-hand side when Chelsea's fullbacks push push forward. That Chelsea lineup was like a dream for him. Absolute dream. And also for Cunha as well. If you look at the goals, one is caused by a big error by Casado and the remaining three goals are caused by running in wide areas. So obvious once you saw that team. That's why I said last week that unfortunately, as amazing as he is and has been, you if you want to do that and play with them two fullbacks and play with kind of a flat and midfield three and with a real protector like Casado, you've got to take him out of the team. It's too much work for him. That where Neto's running him at the third goal, he's, he's almost blameless. What do you want him to do? You're you're isolating a, a, a player's weakness and highlighting it for everyone to see. So. 
I don't know if that experiment will happen again. So if you're suddenly thinking Chilwell or Gusto, I mean, you're not, you're not going to be looking at buying Chelsea new now anyway, even though it's Palace next. City away and then a blank. And it might be another blank in 29 if they obviously get a positive result on Wednesday. Yes, there's a case to hold what you've got, but I don't think there's any case to be investing new and buying like Nkunku was quite underwhelming. No. We know the asset that is Palmer. Gusto, because of his value, is a potential hold subject to how you feel and what it covers best. But I think even in Gusto's case, say they did play in 29, he ain't starting in 25, he's unavailable 26, I ain't starting in 29. If I come to a conclusion that I wasn't starting him in 27 or 28, then Bin it. he can be chopped as well. I don't even definitely start him against Palace. Yep. It's not even a definite for me. So... Yeah, they're in trouble. And there's enough of a turn now because the excuses stop. What Chelsea fans all will, will want is obviously something to believe in. Yeah. They're not... If they're getting beat and they're losing games, you can see the real pattern of play or, you know, they're looking really good and energetic. Think of Pochettino's Tottenham at its best and it's high energy and stuff. They're not look very deliberate. It's like... The, the, their possession numbers are always quite good. It's kind of... I saw this happen in his last year with Tottenham, where Tottenham became, rather than this all-action aggressive team, once he lost Dembele, they became more of a like a counter-attacking team that relied very much on, say, Sun's speed, Ali joining in with Harry Kane and stuff. Um, and it changed from being a team that was more akin to actually what Chelsea looks like now that controls. And I always said my one real concern about him coming back to Tottenham would have been... I'm not seeing a good Tottenham team with him without Musa Dembele. And Chelsea obviously don't have that player. No. So, yeah, concern. But I have to say, though, Gary O'Neill, what a job he's doing. I was going to say, like, in terms of managers of the season or whatever, they're 10th now. They leapfrog Chelsea after that I do, win. I do hate the manager of the I do, season I conversation at this stage. He's, he, he was underworld like, as an appointment. People are like, what the yeah. fuck? He's just, had a, just kept Bournemouth up. Just about why are we getting this guy? Uh, and obviously, they, you're coming off um, what's his face from Sevilla, who's done so well. Um, why is the manager's name? Lopetwegi. Lopetwegi. Um, so you're kind of it is a it is not as uh, as an attractive a name potentially, but yeah. I like to use the it. word attractive as well because what he's actually done for us neutrals, he's made Wolves attractive. Yeah. For the first time in a, in a really long time, you think Wolves are playing. I look at them playing Sheffield United in a few weeks. That's the only Premier League game on a Sunday. And I think, I look forward to that because I look forward I to watching we, Wolves. I remember we talk about Cunha and they're like, shit, they paid 40 million for him. He's not a 40, 45 million yeah. striker, is he? He's just banged the hat-trick in. But he's bridge, now, yeah. he, he, here's a trivia question for if you. If they went to sell him, you might get 35, since, 40 million since for Since game week 12, how many forwards in FPL have scored more points than Cunha? Maybe it's another Watkins. stat I look from Scat. No, he's got more than Watkins. Since Not game week Solanke. 12. It's yeah. only those two. It's just Solanke. Yeah, it's only those two I would have suggested. Can you believe it? Mm. That's brilliant. Listen, there's, there's, um, he's obviously, look, one's a penalty and obviously his first goal is heavily deflected as well. But he is more suitable to not playing the, the nine role, basically. Because I think he ends up back the goal a bit. He's almost better off playing it as a false nine or coming from this wider area. Where he, he's a great ball carrier. He's really direct. The other thing that massively stands out with him is He's a little bit greedy, like he shoots a lot, but that's good for fantasy, right? Of course. The more you shoot, the more likely you're going to have... If you take someone like, as a comparison at the moment, Rashford, 
who's played a bit better the last few games, but seems to be trying to take one touch too many before he's getting his shots away. This lad don't think twice about it. And you'll end up with the deflected goals as, as a part of a course of that. So, yeah, I think it's probably just a little bit unfortunate for him. Those who are on would be absolutely delighted. But actually just Wolves players in general at the moment, that there's so much focus on perhaps the teams who've got the doubles coming up rather than actually investing them. But it's a similar thing. Like, you know, could you go, it, it, it'll feel a bit bizarre at this moment, but something like Watkins to Cunha to open up money again, yeah, sure, consider it. And also I mentioned about moving to, say, Moreno in 26. Well, say you get to 26 and you've got Nunes up front, could you be looking at Cunha at that point? Yeah, you absolutely could. Agreed. Yeah, and I think he'd be the one. Just bear in mind as well, um, obviously Huang, um, South Korea highly likely to get to the Asia Cup final, so he probably won't be back this week, but back for 25, and therefore potentially back for 26. Now, if you end up in a scenario where, just hypothetically, again, you end up with, say, and this is perfectly plausible, you get the 26 and you've got Salah, Jota, Richarlison, Palmer and they're all blanking, you're looking for a midfielder in 26, he'll come back on the agenda. And I would strongly recommend under that circumstance, even though you can't see it at the moment, Neto is providing really well. The assists keep coming, but Huang and Cunha are more capable of doing like what Cunha's done yesterday and hitting that big hole. And Huang might just come back and be a huge differential for 26. Nice. Uh, Manchester United 3, West Ham United 0, Jays. Did you watch it? Or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, I came out of this game happier than I did the Bournemouth game on Thursday. Yeah, I get that. Completely bizarre. I was like, watch the first half, going in 1-0 down. You're like, to be honest, it was pretty even. We had a lot more control of the game with Ben Johnson kind of playing the right winger position, which was Don't tell Alan bizarre. Smith, I think, still finished the game thinking you were playing a back five, but anyway. Uh, no, not at all. It was 4-2-3-1. Have you wanted? That wasn't, three, that wasn't my only gripe with that game, by the way. The laziness of Sky twice putting up Lissandro Martinez playing at right-sided centre-back did my head in as well. Nah. Carry on. Um, yeah, it went into half-time. You know, like, you know what? It was pretty even. We probably had the better of it, definitely on chances, but there was one moment of quality, which was Hoyland cutting in and finishing it. That was, that was the highlight of the first when he, half when he came onto his right foot did you think he's scoring oh 100% yeah. when he turned Socek yeah, he did, yeah. and it was kind of like Socek got score, in Zoom's yeah. way and it was it was the uh, finish of a striker who's scored in his last three games completely he's got a nice technique when he shoots yeah, he shoots nice. through a ball yeah. um, then you come out of the second half and you think okay let's carry on but a deflected goal makes it 2-0 and then the problem with West Ham is it's like alright well we go to Old Trafford and we don't normally win here so let's just kind of play out the game and not win here gave it a go though I think we were constantly a threat without being a, a massive threat it was like jabbing away jabbing away without having loads of clear cut chances and I think that's the issue of not having a real out and out striker or focal point up top there if there if there'd been someone up there that was really more dynamic like Hoyland in our team for example would have been much more of a threat but Getting back to, to finding a way, I think, with West Ham. But have, uh, there's a problem in that midfield with Socek and Ward-Prowse. There's no creativity. There's, there's really missing, I mean, it. it's obvious to say you're missing Packard yeah. really bad. I feel like Ward-Prowse is that guy that he's got great ability on the ball and his passing is amazing, but he doesn't really use it in a very incisive way where he's playing a lot of through balls or finding players. He'll hit a long ball and it'll be neat and tidy and it's always defeat or what have you. But he won't. 
cut through teams with this passing, which is a bit of a frustration, which means he can't really play in that, that 10 role. Um, so yeah, better, but meh from West Ham. I wrote down one word for you. Imbalance. It's all I've written down. What I don't understand... Too much on the right. No. Squad imbalance. Yeah, at the moment, this is it. Because what, what I don't understand... Why did we get rid of two attacking midfielders and get one central holding midfielder? When but we've you know got what? It's, it's fine. It, it's fine in the sense of your league position. Like, you can, do you want to qualify for Europe? Do you not? Well, I imagine West Ham fans really do. What I mean is you're not in any... You were in danger this time last year. Massively. Right? You were in danger. You're obviously not now. You've done really well this season. But it, I don't understand the imbalance that it's given you, considering Europa's going to start again soon. Like, now you look light, mate. Up top we do. You look thin. So, he obviously doesn't want to use Ings up front. I mean, what I don't understand as well is... But he used well Ings as a 10 against Sheffield United. It he played well. really well. Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, and he's, to be honest with you. he's not played since. And you've got Maxwell Corne who can play left wing. Why not play him as a left winger? So confused. But Kudus did well out on the left. To be honest with you, I didn't think he did particularly badly. But West Ham still not in. I'd prefer him best. way more from the right. You know why as well? Shooting. Yeah. He likes to cut in. Uh, and he can finish with his right. We've seen that. But I think it's that when he comes from the right, he can obviously come in on his left and strike or he'll take you on the outside. With that, it becomes a bit unpredictable. When he comes in the central areas from the left, it's uncomfortable for him, I think. Yeah. So you know, United his, were his output would not look as good playing on that side. But I don't think we challenge them enough. Like, it's, like Villa, they're going to Villa, right? Villa will give them a much tougher game because of the intensity and ruthlessness that they will play with. And with I think they a better team, Serge. Yeah, and they will. Um, they'll create more chances. I think. I, I I still think there's a few players within that Man United team. I feel a bit harsh being critical of Garnacho because he's 19 years old and he's a kid, but he doesn't. I've never I've never seen a game where I've been impressed with Garnacho. I know he scored two goals yesterday, but I've never seen a game. Well, I've been impressed. I'm with glad that, you actually. said this after the game rather nah, than before. But like he, he, you know, who you talk about player team, players in teams where attacks go to die. The amount of times he makes the wrong decision or can't complete yeah. the final pass isn't good. There were definitely two attacks that died with him yesterday. It died for you. Yeah, <laughs> but nah. I mean, he's come away with two goals, so it makes it look like he's had a good game. I don't think he is, but I also don't want to be too critical because he's a 19-year-old boy. At the end of the day, and he's trying to find and his keep, key, and he's keeping an eighty million pound player. You can yeah. debate that. Whether or not, team. like, give me the choice of Garnacho or uh, Anthony. Well, I'll go. take Garnacho. Exactly, <laughs> but that's not saying a lot, particularly there. Um, but yeah, and obviously Casemiro, I think had a good game. Like having him in there with that experience, it's just helped them a lot. Final thing on West Ham before we talk United. Look, there was a big sliding doors moment in the game. Two, Emerson, and Bowen. Emerson, where he nicked it off. Uh, yeah, but the Bowen McGuire. one was already 2 0, wasn't it? I think so. But again, go to 2 1. Yeah, but the Emerson one, literally, time. they score straight away. That's no, what no. I mean by that. So if he scores, and he, and he should score, you had yeah. 22 shots yesterday. A lot. That's why I come out of it thinking we didn't play badly and at least it was a, a big performance improvement. No, no, no. I mean, and I, I, thought, you, I thought you played... For, you didn't deserve to lose 3-0. United three nil. deserved to win. But yeah, 1-0, 2-1, something yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, I was more impressed with your first half yesterday than I was watching the first half on Thursday. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, Garnacho. I mean, he's got to be right on radar, hasn't he? He's definitely on radar price. for me. Of course. Because of his price. And the 26th fixture at home to Fulham is good. Yeah. 
I'd, I'd, I, I, I'd I could end up buying him this week and benching him, and I know there's a number out there I've done that this week. 4.8. What's not the line? I mean, before 0.9 by the weekend, I'm sure, if yeah. he's 4.8. My criticism is not as a fantasy asset. There's always players that are right for fantasy, but That's not... That's brilliant as a fifth midfielder. It's brilliant. Would I rather have him in my team right now than Socek? Of course. And similar price. And is it that improbable that they go to Forest and lose in the Cup? And play Sheffield no. United at home in 29? No. It's not. It's not. So I think, yeah, Garnacho's really, really interesting, actually. I've, he's, he's a name that I've been talking about for, for like two months. Um, I obviously owned him in game week one. That didn't particularly work out. Yeah, he's right on radar. For those who've got to find the biggest money this week, say Salah's suddenly back. Yeah, he's mate, he's probably going in for me, Garnacho. So right on radar. Um, defensively, they're much improved. Now, Maguire came in for Varane. I, I, I don't know at this stage if that's... Uh, Maguire favoured over Varane again, now he's back fit, or didn't want to play Varane twice in three days. I think he didn't want to play Varane. Could be like, but yeah, but he had that real period where he was favouring Maguire over Varane before Maguire got yeah, injured Yeah, but the as way well. he kind of gave the ball away to Emerson. Now, point being is, actually, I've just spoken about enabling um, Garnacho. Maguire is dirt cheap and might come into consideration as well as someone who'll do you a really good enabling job in 26 and 29. Now, 29, we obviously can't see, and it's less likely than likely that United play in 29. But, as said previously, if suddenly they walk into Sheffield United at home in game with 29, you're going to want some of it. Is it the worst thing to do, to look at these players as enablers in the short term, use them in 26, decent fixture at home to Fulham, and if you land lucky, well, great. And if you don't, well, they're bench options. The problem, however, though, is well, where it certainly helps Maguire's minutes but doesn't help United full stop is the potential injury picked up to Lissandro Martinez is massive. In fairness to Ten Hag, he's obviously faced criticism from everyone. He did keep saying, when I get my team back fit, you'll see. And United have, have played well this week. We've near enough their strongest team on the pitch. That is arguably their strongest 11 that they played yesterday with the question mark on Maguire Varane. Martinez is a massive miss. It's his control, it's his distribution from defensive areas I think is really important. I think that's part why Maguire's had some favouritism over Varane because actually he does punch the ball and play diagonals better. He plays diagonals much better than Varane, to be honest. Um, I think that's why he sometimes gets favouritism. But Martinez would be a big miss. Also, Ten Hag doesn't like playing Maguire or Varane, I think, as the left-sided centre-back. Doesn't like doing it with either. So, it's not even improbable that Luke Shaw might move into that area. And Wan-Bissaka, subject to his fitness, he's injured at the moment with a leg problem, um, might come back in. So, there could be an impact on Dallow and Shaw, who both played really well. They're both moving into, on occasions, Porono doggy positions. And do you know what? It's like when United do these things, it's not cool to talk about it. And I think they deserve some praise. Um... Their team's fit. They played a right yesterday and weren't breathtaking or brilliant, but they deserved to win the game by the end. They certainly deserved to win on Thursday. Played really well. Yeah. You'd have to give them some credit. And it almost feels reluctant to do it because we've battered them so much. But yeah, dish out a bit of praise. It's got to be done. Yeah. But I still think they get battered at the weekend. Not battered, but a comfy win for Aston Villa. Well, Villa... This, are, this is their level now, isn't Villa it? Villa are going to have... if if. United will have chances. 
particularly down Villa's left-hand side, which, guess who'll play there? Rashford. Garnacho. Oh, you think he'll play left? Oh, Vi- no, I'm Villa's, left. Villa's left side, Sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the side where United can have some joy. That, Moreno, perhaps if he gets too advanced, and an attacking long lay will be the weakness for Villa. Cool. Uh, last but not least. But I would probably bench Garnacho if I owned this week, just saying. I nearly uh, forgot Sorry. about this game, mate. Uh, <laughs> Gunas three, Liverpool one. Still out partying, aren't they? Some of their players still on the pitch. Like, as a Tottenham fan, can I say this? Uh, Gunas, celebrate however you want. We've been over I this. I thought they I'm, were going to lose three one. If you beat Liverpool at home and the, and and the state of can, the championship, can we can we not even enjoy it? Can we not even talk about it? Because yeah, I don't know why at the end of the game that became the big narrative yesterday when there was really because interesting Carragher. things to talk about it. But anyway, like whatever, they're just getting lazy. Yeah, getting lazy. Very lazy. Their coverage yesterday was piss poor. It's getting worse. Um, really good performance from Arsenal. Thoroughly deserved to win. They basically played a 4-2-4, which is not common for them. Um, but in a way, Jesus being unavailable was kind of a blessing. Um, it's obviously not a blessing it was unavailable, but it probably defined clearly in Arteta's mind what he wanted to do tactically because the role that Havertz played wouldn't have been as comfortable for Jesus. Odegaard and Havertz basically played alongside each other. Uh, Havertz kind of to the left, Odegaard to the right. It's not too dissimilar to Odegaard's regular position, but he wasn't dropping as deep as quite often he does to perhaps join in with Rice. And that's because obviously Jorginho played. And what Arsenal had was a box between the midfielders and the front the front two, very similar to Brighton's ideal setup last year when you had Matoma and March really high and sort of Welbeck and McAllister as your two front players who would drop basically into high eight positions rather than kind of even false nine positions. And the two wide players, obviously Saka Martinelli, really high and using them where you can isolate them in 1v1s. Saka probably saw more 1v1s yesterday than he's seen in the last month, I should imagine. And it was probably a similar story for Martinelli. So that front four was really suitable for him yesterday. And Jorginho played really, really well, by the way. Really well. He was as good as Declan Rice. Um, and considering he's not a regular starter, and I know he does come under some stick when he plays, he played really well. What they did, it was really interesting off the ball, Serge. Like I said, they're this box shape. And they kind of encouraged Liverpool to go through it. So go in the middle of it. So what they weren't going to allow was, and Liverpool didn't really have the personnel to do it, but they weren't going to allow Liverpool to have it in the wide half spaces. Yeah, Jorginho to the left, Rice to the right. And they was was basically encouraging them to say, right, eat in between your four box of your two forwards and your two midfielders. Eat in the middle of it. And once you hit in there, we're going to suffocate you. And because you've overcommitted in there, we can spread it out wide and get you on the counter. And it worked a treat for them. It was a good tactical setup from, from Arsenal and it worked really well. I think Liverpool had some misses. Salah goes without saying. Um, and without Salah and Nunes, uh, I think Peter Drury said on commentary, it might have been the first time this season that they hadn't, neither... They had one or the other in the team, which makes sense because Salah plays nearly every game anyway and Nunes has been starting recently. Um, but it didn't have that kind of real directness. I, I felt there were times as well where, if you think back even to the first goal Liverpool scored in the same fixture last season, it was just a ball played over the top into the right channel and it led to a Nunes equaliser. And Liverpool just couldn't really have that option 
at the weekend to turn over the top. And we always say when they're at their best, there's so many different ways they can get you. Yep. Well, that weren't a way at the weekend to just have Trent firing one over the top, for example. It didn't have the personnel in that extent to obviously hurt Arsenal. It was some chaotic moments in, in the game. Gabriel's equaliser. Arsenal fans must have gone in half-time and went ahead by the wall because they'd been so far the dominant team. It was a joke that they weren't winning. And then obviously, Liverpool started the first five or ten minutes of the second half quite well. And Klopp did similar with his setup to try and match up Liverpool, where he'd had Gakpo dropping in a, a bit deeper. And, and briefly, Liverpool were at the same, a 4-2-4. I don't know why he made the changes so early in the second half. It felt like he started the second half better and then he made the three changes. And I think it was partly because he didn't want to get Nunes on and then that structure doesn't work with yep. Nunes. But I felt he should have stuck with it a little bit longer or if he was going to bring Nunes on, bring him on into a wider area. Um, and then from there, Arsenal with a better side. But obviously, Arsenal's second goal was... You've got Van Dijk and Alisson are obviously both exceptional. Made a, they've made a complete clangor and a mess of it between them and ultimately decides the game because I weren't despite Arsenal being the better side I wasn't really convinced that they were going to score at that point but they thoroughly deserved it and yeah celebrate they're back in the title race they were dead if they lost is everyone we've been saying it if they lost to Liverpool eight points behind you know look can you make that up if you're chasing one team yeah sure but you ain't going to catch Liverpool and City forget it so they've kept themselves in it they've got a good fixture run coming up they need to take go on and, and take advantage of it now Indeed. Liverpool assets are more interesting for what's coming up. Nunes, I think Jota over Diaz would be clear. Trent, obviously, but I don't know if people are going to dive into that. I do think, ironically, if you want to wait an extra week, I do think Canate will, will probably play both in the double now. Also consider that he's probably the most dominant of their other centre-backs. So you've got Gomez and, and Quanza. Canate of that that trio is the most dominant and Brentford and Luton will be unapologetic with the way they put the ball in the box at times so I think Canate will probably play the double obviously he won't play in 24 wouldn't be diving into to Robertson Gakpo would be an avoid I wouldn't go near that route ultimately a lot of this week is going to be defined by Salah I would be concerned like I said by the fact that I feel like Trent has been built up it's been like sub appearance Brief, uh, another sub-appearance. It almost felt like a kind of planned sort of hour here. Liverpool, again, was 53 minutes or so he played. I mean, Liverpool Liverpool weren't as good without him, no way. They felt like a little, I wouldn't say lost, but that's such a weapon with him and his delivery into the box. And it allowed Arsenal to just sit deeper as well. You don't really want to invite Trent crossing the ball into the box. No. If it's other players, you're happier to invite it a little bit more. Um, so I am. I would be concerned with Salah that if he got no minutes this weekend, that he might get eased in a 25. Remember, 20, after 25, they got the cup final as well. And then I, the Europa um, starts off. I was considering Andy Robertson as a Poro replacement if I had the money, but I don't think I'm going to have quite enough don't think I'm going to have quite enough. Just as a differential, going Trent and Robertson, you know, they, they've really been a differential in the past. Um, if I had the money, I think I might even do it, you know. It would cause me another headache for, for 26, but I'd figure out a way. I'd also say with Robertson, and he probably would play both. He'll probably play the, the games going forward. But Gomez has done well enough that that's not an, an automatic. Yeah. 
that's not an automatic. And who knows? Maybe Connor Bradley obviously sadly lost his father in the build-up to the game. Maybe he would have played again, but I'm convinced that Trent would have played personally. But he he didn't invert into midfield in quite the same way. He played a, a very much a wider role. Um, and I don't, I don't know what the thinking was behind that because I think Liverpool would have had more control if they did that. I don't know if that was a, the thinking of not getting Canate drugged out, um, drawn out to Martinelli. But then Canate essentially ended up getting sent off for 2,000 habits. You know what I mean? You should never be in that position. You should trust yourself a little bit more. Arsenal assets, I think, are quietly interesting here. To be, I mentioned about potentially considering adding a second defensive one here. The fixture run is good. We'll know after Wednesday night if they're going to play in 29 or not. And if they do, I think they go right to the top of the fixture ticker over to 29, despite the fact they wouldn't have a double in there. Um, and I think even going... Because I don't think money will be a problem building towards 29, even the likes of Ben White become a real consideration for me, I think. Um, so would so would Saliba. I think there's a bit more upside in White, though. Zinchenko would avoid. Kivio played quite well, I thought, when he came on very quietly yesterday. That that setup that they used yesterday with Jorginho Depar won't stick in all the games. You might see it again in some of the bigger ones, like maybe even when they play City, um, which is it's that first week after the March international break, isn't it? Uh, I'd be like March the 30th or March the 31st. Cool, cool. Uh, James, there are not too many questions in on the internet that we haven't already covered off. There are a few that we don't need to talk about at all. Uh, anytime anyone uses the essential word, like sentences like... He's got ben, the wrong podcast. Is Ben Johnson essential? <laughs> I mean, that's just... We'll, we'll take that. No, uh, he's not. I wouldn't even know what price he is. He ain't going to play right in midfield that much. You've no, got to know that whenever Packetar's fit... Is going to go on the left. Kudos going to uh, go to the right. But to be honest, Ward Prowse actually becomes more interesting now. If he's if he's going to play that that ten position, excuse me. And on pens, Packetard Tatum when he's back fit, though, wouldn't he? Who knows the West Ham? We've moved them around so much recently. I think Packetard would be first choice. Uh, Packetard would make himself first choice. That's without a doubt. He likes to pick up the ball and just take it without listening to other people anyway. But. Uh, we shall see. Uh, what's the schedule for the rest of the week for the listeners, James? And then I'll pick out a couple of questions that we've had in on Twitter. Uh, so, People's Poll Podcast tomorrow. Vote is open now to about five-ish. Um, it's a January transfer window theme that we've got for you this week. Uh, there are three options from that. You can either choose your our top 10 best ever January transfer window buys, Um we can also investigate whether FFP PSR is going to have an impact on future transfer windows. It certainly did on the one that's just gone. Um, also, we can do an intro to you to the January signings that did happen because a lot of players who joined the league that people won't know a lot about. That vote is available for you on Twitter up to about 5pm UK time today. Wednesday's Sky Fantasy, Thursday's Clash to Correspondence is Luton versus Sheffield United uh, with Dan Ashby, Ben Tomo Thompson. For patrons, that will be available for you tomorrow. Uh, I'll be streaming on Friday, currently scheduled for Ask James at 12pm UK time. Our podcast this week include the Q&A today that's available for all of our patrons. Uh, thank you very much to our patrons who fed back on our podcast on Thursday as well. It's very much appreciated, isn't it, Serge? It is. Thank you. Uh, UCL Fantasy began a week early with it because the Champions League restarts next week. So me and Clayton's going to do that tomorrow. 
Tottenham on Wednesday, uh, Money and Football on Thursday. We're going to revisit what's been happening with Reading and uh, sell before we die because we don't know if this situation is getting better and we hope that obviously they do not die. And our Friday podcast will be our Game Week 24 preview, the differential show. Uh, advanced tier content this week includes uh, away days, my trip to Everton, uh, Twitter stories on tonight's Brentford Manchester City game, a look at a Game Week 24 wild card, either dependent on the result of Wednesday night, uh, we've got Nico's Corner on Thursday as well and the team new stream on Friday if you want to support the show it's www.patreon.com forward slash planet FPL do it because you want more content or of course just because you want to support the show you get ad free content you get the additional shows James mentioned you My get planner. access to some prize leagues you get a fixture planning spreadsheet that James updates including his uh, predicted doubles and blanks and all that kind of stuff uh, you get Slack community with loads of engaged managers I think that's it uh, but there's plenty of perks of becoming a patron and joining our community. We'd love to have you over there for the rest of the season. A new perk as well on FPL.team now, you can get you get a free um, paid account, like a subscription account, as opposed to just the, using the free tool as well. So, so much value that we're trying to offer through Patreon. Head over to patreon.com forward slash planet FPL uh, to support the show. Questions. Uh, questions. Mikey says, due to funds, he can only bring in Rodri or McAllister for Gordon. Would you take a punt on either for the double? I don't mind getting Rodri. He's chipped away with goals and assists all season. I really don't mind it. He's one that will get frowned upon. With two home games, particularly, I really don't mind it. The thing with him as well is, because of his past completion and stuff's off the charts, if he does rock up with an attacking return... Is every chance your bonus will come with it, subject to how well the others do and stuff. I don't, I don't hate that Rod- getting Rodri at all. Actually, I mentioned it as a possibility for me a couple of weeks ago. It's probably a no. I'd definitely go Rodri over McAllister. Yep. Uh, Knuckles, would you rather for next season your team has no injuries for the entire season, or your team starts the season on plus four points? It's got to be the injuries. What for FPL? No, no, no. Your actual football team. Oh, was in the, the team we support. Yeah, it's got to be I mean, four for, points. For FPL, I, I, def- I, I, I definitely... He doesn't specify FPL or not, but... Oh, right. Well, let's answer both. For FPL, it'd definitely be no injuries. If you could have no injuries, think of the planning you could do yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It'd be worth for way four, more points. Than four points. But even my regular I mean, team, I'd say no because injuries. Because of injuries, you're probably going to take hits and stuff, so no injuries, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And even for the main team... For my, for my, for my actual team, I mean, would Tottenham be on extra four points if we didn't have that period of those injuries yeah probably 100% so, man yeah definitely I think you'd take the no injuries all day long uh, Danny, Danny UK just uh, for his benefit James when will we find out which teams will double in game week 34 judging by the Premier League game week 33 <laughs> they'll tell us a week before mate uh, no, it can't be that. So, uh, as per Monday's pod, um, just to cover that off briefly, so you'll know 29 during the midweek uh, that builds towards 27. That's when the FA Cup quarterfinals are. I think in terms of a possible 28 announcement, I think we would know to repeat before... Tw- it should be before 25 latest, really. Um, doesn't mean it would be, but it should be. In terms of game with 34... What you will at least know is which four teams won't play on the weekend. If it's four teams, might only be three teams. Might only be two teams um, due to the FA Cup quarterfinal results. So you'll know, you'll know definitively, whichever team's got an FA Cup semi-final cannot double, right? 
You could certainly know at least that. In terms of the weeks, we said it was, what, three and a half weeks? Mm-hmm. I think from the start of game week 30 to the midweek of 34. So really, really, we should know before game week 30 what the outlook will be for 34. And unless Bournemouth Luton hasn't been arranged and and unless Chelsea beat Villa on Wednesday night, if you know 34, you'll know 37 as well, basically, near enough. And you'll largely know it. You might have an odds and sods like Bournemouth Luton or Chelsea v Tottenham if Chelsea progress in the cup. Um, but we should know 34 before 30 and therefore you'll largely know 37 as well. And uh, last but not least, James... I can't, kind of- I can't promise it though. because Idiots. One game to arrange all week. It's just, honestly, it's, it's terrible. It's so bad. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I have no words, James. There's <laughs> no way that announcement should have gone beyond Monday. I said last Monday morning, I went timestamp 10 o'clock, so I thought there was every chance it'd be announced before we finished the podcast. It's well, a joke. Uh, we at least know now. Uh, last question. I started tagging them on Thursday because I thought, are you stupid? <laughs> last question, uh, James, is around strikers. There's a couple of strikers. Like Chris says, which two strikers would you want alongside Holland for the next few weeks? Ryan says, is Rasmus Hoyland a legitimate option now. His price is 6.9. I think Ollie Watkins got to be there just because of consistency, right? Double figures, goals and assists so far this season. Would you put Hoyland as the third option in there? If it's money, no objects. The the, the best three for me is Hoyland, Watkins, Solanke still. Uh, Villa carry through nice. Fixtures are really good. Solanke, is a, there's the potential for that extra at any point. The next few are difficult, but he is a... He's definitely consistent and a talisman. I would look at someone like Cunha and I think, like I said, Huang might come back and Huang might take some of the scoring off him. Um, so it's not as clear. You could get, you could easily get the wrong one there, right? Yeah. Solanke's the standout Bournemouth one, as Watkins is with Villa, primarily because Bailey, we haven't got enough clarity on his minutes and stuff. So it's still them. Hoyland probably arguably is the United asset of choice now. I guess if money's no objects in good form, like I said, covers 26 really well. So I mentioned about maybe going to Cunha there. Maybe it would be a case of going to Hoyland there. I wouldn't rush that. Like they're going to Villa this week. Clearly all the, the, the monkeys off his back in terms of scoring goals. It's definitely there. What's that? Three in a row now he's scored. Uh, he four, started. There was four, a blank actually. in there. Uh, it's four, four, in four, four goals in games. four games he started. It's he, four he league games game in a row. There. And that run, but he, it's four in the last four he started. Right. He did miss a game. So, yeah, so he, he obviously fancies himself now. Enough to think he can do air guitars off of his knee, which is an interesting celebration. It's his thigh, mate. Did, did you see his the interview? The thigh, did you see his mate. interview where he said, someone suggested it because no one else does it. Maybe I'll make it my own. And then he pulls it. He himself, I think, could feel the tumbleweed of like, don't do that again, nah, mate. It's not a good celebration. <laughs> yeah, he, he could be considered. I'd rather invest in Garnacho for the... The cheaper and the, the play in the good fixtures don't play in the in the worst fixtures. What probably is more interesting about the narrative of that, and I think I've been on three up front for I feel like the whole season actually, and it does feel like three up front very much at the moment. Like if you're sitting there with your archers and things like that, I think it's time to look at things like Adebayo even if you can't get there, or, or the Fulham forward Munez Breuer. There's a number to consider there. That's it, isn't it? It's suddenly now. There's so many forward options. And I realise that's, it's, I say so many, it's only like a sort of a good sort of seven or eight, but that's enough. That's enough to be thinking there's a debate here about certain forwards. You've got Haaland, 
Maybe Alvarez, we don't know at this moment. Watkins, Solanke, Cunha, Hoyland. Adebayo, Nunes. There's, there's a lot suddenly, yeah. Indeed. And listeners, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Planet FPL. Uh, as James mentioned earlier, we'll be back at you with all of the rest of the content for the rest of the week. But other than that, I hope you enjoy the show. Stay safe. Look after yourselves. Ciao for now. Thanks, everyone. Play it your way. Be nice to each other and good luck. Cue music, please, man child. Podcast Network.